0: About me says that i would need a straw to drink wine
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't i mean given that we have had wine together in italy and all kinds of assorted glassware and none i don't i don't mm. think i i don't think i've ever i've i've never d- received a straw when i drink wine and that's never sure happened
0: not. like you know as as a child like they don't like give you wine with a straw in mass or something i don't know what catholics I, do
1: i didn't have wine in mass to be fair but uh <laughs> i know they did not do that gotcha
0: Yeah, Allison and I uh, went out to celebrate something that we'll talk about later. But Mm. um, we were like, let's just let's just get uh, you know a uh, good like semi dingy Italian (laughs) restaurant. You know, like we don't want fancy Italian. We went to the first place, and it was like, this is a dressed up Chili's. This is not Ah, what we want. You know. Then you find the real deal, you know, where uh, all of the waiters are wearing white shirts with ties. Uh, Mm. There's a enormous uh, freshwater fish tank. You can't actually hear any music playing because you just hear the TV uh, that's on in the kitchen. Um, Yeah, no, like
1: a real Italian restaurant. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, dark green carpet. Oh, boy. That's what you want. That is what you want. That's what you need. The fish tank really sells it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, when I walked in, it was like, at first I
0: thought, like, ooh, a Garibaldi. And I was like, oh, no, it's freshwater. They're Uh, just
1: Oscars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there's just big goldfish. They couldn't get a saltwater so that they could get a Garibaldi. No, And at least be on theme. Right. Wow, this
1: is what they can do. This is what they
0: got. Mm Mm-hmm yeah um but then our uh our waiter who uh i don't think she knew uh necessarily what was on the menu uh okay
1: if hey. <laughs> we ordered things and, she, and then had to show her the menu she didn't she didn't actually work there she just kind of somebody gave her the the like you know the things that you have like you know the apron and such and she just kind of got to work
0: yeah um.
1: So then, you know, she put on her glasses to read the menu.
0: Yeah. Uh, Allison got seafood. So, okay. You know, you would, th- and I. We ordered what we thought was white wine. Uh, <sighs> Allison was given. We were both given a uh, red wine, and there's no way of knowing if it was actually what either of us
1: ordered. Uh, right. <laughs> no bottle or anything, just a glass. Yeah. But then she okay. gives me the straw. Ha. Huh. Was yeah. it in the wine glass, like a regular in wine the glass? Wine
0: glass, like right, it, it, like like a three-inch
1: straw. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> she just had one, and it was like, you guys just share. You can rotate <laughs> who's who drinks out of the straw. <laughs> At least give me a curly straw. You know, make it I fancy. Mean, it's I it's wine. can see. It. Yeah, like of of course, if like if somebody was disabled or something, I could see the straw being like useful. But like, yeah, certainly. I, mean, I don't know. you you request that yeah yeah that is really weird did you like say anything
0: nope to uh (laughs) felt felt like we're making waves if we
1: did that right (laughs) well because i feel like the response would have been what do you mean it's your straw (laughs) you have to use it obviously Uh do you know how many turtles die from straw (laughs) (laughs) use? We personally killed these turtles. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> to get you this straw. straw yeah.
0: <laughs> it's carbon neutral or whatever. Right.
1: Suddenly, it's, it's, a, it's a Sopranos episode <laughs> bit here.
0: Yeah. Uh, tone, these, these fucking straws. I don't
1: know. They're like bad for these turtles or some shit. <laughs> it's all the plastic use, T. I can't do a good Christopher Maltasanti voice, mm. but oh man. Uh, yes, but uh, speaking of the old world. Today at the Uncanny County
0: Museum despite this hilarious intro yeah. uh we're going to be talking about something uh a little heavy not going to try to bring people down in the in the dumps necessarily but um,
1: right.
0: it is November mm-hmm. and uh it's uh November 11th is Armistice Armistice Day
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh and this of course commemorates the ending of the First World War Um, and recently there has been a release of a new, uh, rendition of All Quiet on the Western Front, a new film, and
1: Joe, you watched it? I did. I did watch Mm -hmm. it, yes. And I very much enjoyed it, but, Mm -hmm. oh man, is it a lot. It is,
0: and, uh, this... What where where this intersects kind of interestingly with us is all all quiet on the Western Front, but World War One in particular is this interesting pivot point for a lot of what is now kind of just commonplace uh uh culture and art and attitudes. Mm-hmm. And uh we're uh, it, it seems worth us looking into it and building an exhibit around yeah. media, how it's been shaped by World War One. Uh, But I thought it would be kind of interesting to start by comparing our experiences uh, of All Quiet in particular. Sure. Uh, or Im Vestern Nix Nuss.
1: Mm -hmm. uh
0: as its original title from uh 1929 um so i first encountered this in middle school we read it in social studies and then watched the 1930 film rendition okay um now joe in the new rendition do they have mid-atlantic accents
1: they are speaking german so no and this ah. is a German Mid-Atlantic accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but were you... Uh, did you have to read or no. watch the, the older versions? Never seen them. Mm. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's weird, honestly. Given my given all the other war movies I've seen at that age, right. no, I've never yeah. seen that one.
0: No, that's very interesting. I mean, because it's... Um... I I think when I was first exposed to it, you know, like at 13 or 14 or whatever, um, I, it was, I I think, you know, they passed out the paper, the mass market paperbacks uh, that we all got to keep of the book. Um, And, you know, it says like, you know, it has like a pull quote on it. That's like the greatest war novel of all time, you know, Mm. um, And, uh, it, I, I think at that time I, I had a, I had a growing awareness of the world and history and in middle school, I feel like you start to learn the, the more of the context of global events. You start Mm -hmm. to sort of piece it together. Um, and it was... At that point, I think where you're, you're, you're trying to understand, well, why was so-and-so fighting these people and vice versa? And, you know, by the time you're in middle school, uh, at, at least in my middle school, you've read Diary of Anne Frank, you've read Knight, you very much understand, uh, at least the, the 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 cliff notes of World War Two. You had a bit of a sense of the Cold War because I think we were also reading uh, some things from that. You had a little bit of a sense of Vietnam, but I remember asking my social studies teacher, like in the hall, like I I don't understand what was World War One about, and him explaining it to me, and me at the time just not being able to wrap my head around. I I still don't understand, like right what what was this like
1: what what was your exposure mm. to world war 1 so i want to say probably middle school history class was the first mm-hmm. point to which i was like introduced to it um mm-hmm. i always heard of it as it's like the precursor to world war 2 essentially it's what sets the stage for the next series of events you know and mm-hmm. They never really got that into it. So I did mm-hmm. a lot of it more on my own. But like in school, it was more, oh, okay, well, then, you know, Archduke Franz Ferdinand is murdered and all of these people are allied with each other. So therefore, they go to war with each other. Now, if we look at the Russians, this is happening over there. And then that's how I like learned about communism and, you know, the Russian Revolution in 1917 and such. And that's sort of the direction my education went. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't really until, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess was it Battlefield 1? I feel like it was, like, when I, when I started playing, <laughs> I, I know this is crazy, this is how video games have shaped my life, but I want to say, right. when I, because I was more into World War Two. like, I was more fascinated by that, and also Russian Revolution, and, like, that right. time well, period, I mean, but,
0: like, I even, I even would write stories in middle school and high school about, like, time travelers, like. Going to get dinosaurs, and then maybe they were also fighting Nazis, you know right right i okay, that i, I sounds had epic. A, I had a story where Mothman was actually uh an evil uh Nazi scientist Whoa. who had, like, fused his body what? with like the parts of animals
1: that's kind of epic, yeah huh. yeah it's also plausible I, I was, and weird yeah and i was I, was I was
0: i was a weird middle schooler you know too I deserved being normal. shunned slightly um <sighs> but but yeah, yeah, no, it's it. It is interesting, like how it is, right? How it survived and remembered so differently from World War II, um, yeah. Cause- and even like the Russian Revolution, which is kind of yeah. happening at the same time as World War One. We we understand that, and there's a lot of media about it, and there's a lot yes. of commentary I, on it.
1: I do remember why I brought that up. It's specific. Mm-hmm. This is actually my tr- this is my true introduction to World War One. Uh, I watched the movie Nicholas and Alexandre, Alexandra, the one about Tsar Nicholas, you know, mm-hmm. and his whole downfall. I watched this like three-hour epic movie that my aunt recommended to me because she loved it, and I was like, Anastasia? No, no, it's called Nicholas and Alexandra. <laughs> yeah, Anastasia's in it; she gets executed. But yeah, it's it's like what? that. What? Yeah, it's she doesn't. A, she doesn't no, survive and no, and and no. meet a kooky bat. I wish. That's the head cannon, honestly. She yeah. did deserve better, but yeah, no, like that was my actual true exposure because it showed the the like the czar sending in Russian troops and them just being completely massacred and under armed, and everybody was like, "This is pointless. Why are we doing this?" And then the uprising happens. That's just mm-hmm. this. I am very much spark noting everything. It's more complicated than that, but yeah, I think that was the first exposure to this the the level of pointlessness. And then as I kept learning about it and and. You know, exploring in my own world because my teachers weren't doing it because there was no time, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, it really, it, it's, it's like, it is deeper than just, and, and dumbly deeper than just allies. It's more like everybody's trying to show off and just killing off as many people as they can, and still just trying to fight. Yeah, it, it's so hard to wrap one's head around because it is so pointless. Constant. And everybody knew it was pointless towards the middle, but kept going because yeah. of, um, you know, just because of the things already said. And, and because mm-hmm. of the trench warfare, you can't really make moves as easily. One of the mm-hmm. things we talked about a lot in school was also the the switch from... It's field warfare. There's a proper name for it. I'm forgetting, but it's essentially when you march your armies out to a field and you fight that way and then set up positions. Right. Whereas because of the change in technology, we had to, they set up trenches so that way they can actually dig in and move forward, which is the first mm-hmm. ever use of this and was very, very awful in terms of right. not only conditions, but what kind of warfare that leads to, which is uh, the barrages, you know, mm-hmm. So and charging into just gunfire. So right it, well you oh, you, you have you
0: have to think of what war was like before this, you know this right. is where we see tanks, we see machine guns, and you know if yeah. you've seen uh they shall not grow old, yes, um, just Great listening movie. to the the survivors' accounts of uh just the the relentless machine gun fire, and then you know having to drive the tanks over just all the corpses oh in the way God. it's. Yeah. I I don't think we have the the time or even the proper no. expertise to get into necessarily the politics of World War 1 without it's
1: complicated.
0: It's, just, yeah, it's without, very complicated. Yeah, yeah, I I think we have to sort of talk more about what its impact was on the culture. And I mean, it's it on the one hand we understand it now as this um this event that just kind of destroyed uh, a generation. Yeah. And in Vietnam, you know, we did not have the, the monolith of, of, of support and, and propaganda that we had in world war two. Now world war two right. is a different animal altogether. Cause you could make yes. an argument as to why that was in the interest of, democracy to fight that war. Right. However, there were peace movements, there were people that did not want to go to war for varying reasons. Um, you know, some from a, an an isolationist point of view, some from, you know, just just a pacifist point of view. But there would have not there would have not been um dissent in yeah. a mainstream way. There there would not have been the ability to do that. And um the it it were it, it wouldn't be really until Vietnam that I feel like we as Americans at least revisited that idea of of a pointless slog where no nothing was being won, nothing was being accomplished, just people are are dying in huge numbers for apparently no reason. no one is entirely clear on why we're there um World War one though i you know, that's still a time period where if you have shell shock, you know, what we would now understand as PTSD, but you could be executed for that. You, and you Hmm. were executed for cowardice for, uh, you know, not wanting to go over, you know, uh, not wanting to climb over yeah. the wall and charge again after you've watched everyone get mowed down before you. Oh
1: my god, it's horrifying. Um,
0: yeah, no, it's it's absolutely terrifying to to think about. Like, th- there's mm-hmm. there's nothing in my experience or frame of reference to even like try and do that, yeah. and it's nothing you can ever pretend is like the not the fun but like the the like uh the the challenge of like we're facing off against a worthy opponent type of haze that you can put over a lot of other military endeavors you know the idea that there's some space that is safe and there's some space that isn't and you confront your enemy on some sort of uh you know it's something is gained there's like you know you're almost like a movie's almost sort of project like a summer camp type you know yeah. adventure type lens that you could put over it and no one really has ever been able to do that with world war 1 cuz i don't know if there ever was an appetite for it there wasn't um and i don't know if there was like as vocal of an anti-war movement as there would have been in vietnam Although I'm sure I'm sure there was to some extent, like like an anti-war movement. But the media would simply have not that that type of media, I don't think would have existed. Well, it wasn't.
1: I think if if something like Vietnam would have happened at that time, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have seen the level of even protest either because just no one would know what was happening. Like that's kind right. of part of the issue with the in the in the like in Britain mm-hmm. and in America and and then also in their own countries away from the front lines. Like in mm-hmm. in all quiet in the western on the Western Front, they actually that's like the first part of the movie. Literally, it's it's exactly yeah. what you're recounting. Where we're following a and it's honestly, if anybody does watch it, the new one, it's. Mm -hmm. Crazy like I I don't think I ever Mm -hmm. like it it was almost like the whole movie is almost like uncut gems level of tension besides for some Mm -hmm. breaks in it. Yeah, Uh, but the first part it's like you're following just this character Heinrich who is um, getting screamed at by an officer to go over the the trench Mm -hmm. right like the same thing and as soon as they do we're following behind them in a one long take and just watching people be killed and eventually seeing Mm -hmm. what happens to them. Um, and, and who they hit with a shovel, which is just, it's crazy. The way they cut to the title is insane, but very mm-hmm. well done. Um, but anyway, just enforcing that point, but it also then cuts mm-hmm. to the main character, Paul, who's studying with friends, and they're mm-hmm. all like getting, they're psyching each other up to su- that they're signing up for war and that their parents are letting them go, and then they're making fun of Paul, whose parents won't let him go, and he just lies. Mm-hmm. They're just like just lie, and then he does anyway. And they're all like seventeen, maybe younger. Yeah, and they go and they get hyped, and this guy gives them a good speech, and it they me- like we're talking fifteen minutes at the most, and they're immediately mm-hmm. on the front line, immediately, right. and are just like this was a mistake this was not what we thought it right. was going to be because the posters and the movies make it look mm-hmm. like the glory of war and we're going to go out there, right. boys, and in German accents, of course, and take yeah. it out, you know? And then they get there and it's just, it's <laughs> it's, it's literally hell on earth. And it's yeah, just horrifying. I, mean, the,
0: I, I was very interested in how they would... And how they would handle
1: that opening because
0: the, oh, the book nuts. and the old movie it opens with the teacher their uh, their oh, teacher okay. in school telling Paul and all of his classmates about you know how glorious it is you know to go and fight for the fatherland. And, yes, they still um, have that speech; it's still there, but it's not the opening. Right? Yeah that that's it, the the opening for the movie is even pretty uh, remarkable too. The way it sort of I I remember the way it sort of almost you start outside with a parade and then sort of enter into in through like almost like a window into this classroom where, you know, they're, huh. uh, they're uh, <laughs> uh getting all of these uh kids psyched up to go and, and enlist. And yeah. it's not until you watch them go into battle that you then have that spell sh- sort of um, yeah. shattered for you. I think the, I think one crucial thing is that that film came out in 1930, right? Yeah. So pre World War II, and also pre Hays Code. Hmm. Um, it has. It's a move. It, it was also the first talkie to uh huh. uh win like Oscars.
1: It's kind of crazy. It's
0: pretty remarkable. Um but there are brutally violent and graphic depictions of trench warfare in this film that is getting close to a hundred years old. Jesus. Uh, And, you know, we're used to, I think when we watch old movies, we see things a little bit later. We think of the movies of the, you know, late thirties and forties And even though they might have depictions of war, they are very sanitized compared to this. So that does lead me to believe that there was some attitude of wanting to embrace the realism, embrace what had been uh, experienced Mm. at this time by those veterans. I mean, but it also coming out in 1930, you know, were people... uh, were the the adults at that time, the veterans, eager to see something like this? You know, yeah. again, this is a black and white movie in the very early days of uh, synchronized sound in film. Right. And you have a scene where a guy charging towards the trench grabs onto a barbed wire fence, gets blown up by a grenade, and you just see two uh detached hands holding onto the fence jesus that's like and i'm sure the new film is uh, is uh is an insane uh an insane smorgasbord of cgi uh violence and sound design um but i i also wonder how there's obviously been a renewed interest in world war one in the last few years. We've had 1917. We've had, uh, they shall not grow old. Um, we've had, uh, the, the chronicles of Narnia. Um, I guess that (laughs) is. Yeah. Or is that world? War? I think that's that's world war two. That's that's world war two. But, um, we do not have any world war one vets left. Um, right. And, you and I have grown up in a time where there is, as, as there has been for like 50 something years, maybe 60 years. um. There's been a huge market for prestige world war two films. Yeah. Um, but from the onset, even like back in the forties and fifties, you had veterans working on those films and, the audience very much was like, you know, flattering the greatest generation with, you know, the heroism and the horror and um, everything that, that they experienced. And, uh, you know, now that we're, we're in this period where we almost have some distance that we want to interrogate what exactly this war meant to us. and, World War 1 vets were I get the feeling never as prominent in no. in no. not not that they that World War 1 vets mm-hmm. you know were they were politicians they were uh you know uh famous people uh, right, to right, the 20th right. century but never was it a part of their identity that no, yeah. World War II was to the greatest generation, at it, least in mm-hmm. in how we retrospectively look at the 20th century and how much we define everything by World War II <laughs> yeah. and where, you know, where was grandpa stationed and everything? Right. And we are presumably going to, you and I are going to live into a period of time where there is no more greatest generation that yeah, they uh, that they're no longer alive and presumably we will also keep making world war two films but i wonder how the tone will change once yeah. there's no um you're not making uh uh unbroken to take grandma to right you know? right I, I just wonder a lot about our current fascination with world war one i have some thoughts what Mm. what what are kind of your what's your your perspective your theory
1: i mean i think what you said about the vets world war one vets is definitely accurate at the end of they shall not grow old um you're hearing the vets talk about their experiences coming home and pretty much on all of them their experience is no one talks about it it's like okay you did your job great Thanks. Mm-hmm. Not even a thanks sometimes, and that's that. Like no one. There's no hooray. You know, you guys did amazing. We're lucky to have you. It's kind of just like because half the people didn't really, especially in, this was the British perspective, by the way. So yeah. for the British, you didn't really know. They weren't there. Like Brits weren't. If if you weren't in, in the army, yeah. you're not in France. So you really don't have that going. It it's like. It was your duty, I guess, and you came home and were treated that way. And if you had PTSD, you were on your own. In Germany, of mm-hmm. course, I'm sure it's the opposite, right? Everybody goes into depression and anger and such. And then in uh, but but it's a-
0: interesting, like a, a different inverse of that happens in the book and the and the original film. I don't know if it happens in the newer film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul goes home to an overexcited hometown oh. that is showering him with praise all the old guys want to hear about it. Like, you know how much ass they're kicking and like, right, you know, they pull huh. out a map and they're like, I'll tell you what they need to do to win the war, you know? Right. Um, and Paul feels completely alien to them because one, he's seen how horrific it is and he, yeah. Kind of can't partake in their enthusiasm. And, um, he, uh, and, and, and he, d- he no longer feels at home, even though the battlefield right. is horrific, he is so, uh, isolated it is, yeah. you know, and that would, that will be a, you know, a thing that I, a trope that we know now as, as, you know, soldiers having a difficult time relating to people that aren't, you know, ex-military, uh, and, you know, this, this sort of attitude that, you know, civilians really don't understand what they're rooting for or rooting against. I think yeah. it's also interesting because this is pre-World War II, um, there's almost this willingness to look at the the German perspective as anyone's perspective, as yeah that's this was important. This was somewhat a universal experience of war being awful on all sides. What I also think about too, though, is, you know, this is this is a book being written in 1928, coming out in 1929, um, and World War One. You know, part of the lead up to that was that you know really strong uh, German Prussian military heritage you know right. that they had this this they were so proud of that history of of their military prowess you know that this was just some sort of extension like that you know cuz even into world war 1 you know they're wearing the bickelhaupt helmets yeah. um the, the spike head helmets yeah 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 um they uh it's um it's it's just interesting and i wonder if like that that attitude probably would have been buried by buried even further by the time world war two ends, you know, and yeah. the, the wanting to forget. Um, but I also think of my, my, my grandpa was in Korea. Oh, okay. and from what I understand, just never talked about it. He even really did not like the show mash. Hmm. Um, which I know has also, uh, you know, gotten some resurgence of interest lately. And I don't think that's an indictment of mash. Um, cause I, I, I understand, you know, it's a very important, uh, d- cultural touchstone and everything. And, uh, cause you know, mash is technically, a, a Cor- is about the Korean war, but is, you know, really the subtext is it's about Vietnam. Right. Uh but my my grand uh, at least what my mom says about my grandfather is that he just would always say there's nothing funny about war.
1: Hmm.
0: Very Kratos-like. Uh, and so he, right. yeah, so he he just he couldn't he couldn't entertain the idea of people watching a comedy about the Korean War.
1: I kind of get it. I think that's kind of yeah. valid, actually. In a little mm-hmm. bit, I mean. You know that's it makes sense. I'll say that because we we haven't been there. We don't know, but I think that that's yeah. that's got to be a kind of feeling, though, right? You know that you're watching like it's like it's like like imagine if World War Two movies become like Marvel movies where that level of humor is like added oh just for the sake of like audience reactions. Like, could you imagine? I mean, that's pretty well, awful. We,
0: but I mean, not that it's not, this isn't you know necessarily uh, an indictment of the movie, but. I mean, Wonder Woman kind of tries yeah, to have it that does, with, yeah. with World War One, and and Captain America tries to have that about World War Two. Yeah. Um, oh yeah.
1: I guess it has happened. It's happened already. Yeah. Never mind. No, it, it
0: it literally happens. You know, like uh, it's um. Oh, God. I don't know if we've seen it necessarily with Vietnam. I mean. I I still I mean Tropic Thunder is is hilarious. I mean yeah, and it, it's it, own. It, that's that's more of a an indictment of uh Hollywood making yeah. these kinds. Yeah, of it's, a,
1: it's 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 yeah, it's deeper. Yeah. than that. Um, yeah,
0: um, but yeah, no. I mean, we kind of want these that superhero aesthetic to these kinds right. of conflicts because also but, there's the, the the unprecedented nature of World War One feels like it's rife for this kind of steampunk adventure I mean you've got it
1: is crazy you
0: know armies mounting men on horseback with feathers in their hats and then a biplane goes yeah. by it's it is it is uh the it is it is this this uh complete shift in the perspective of how wars are fought oh yeah oh yeah everyone everyone was simul like on the one hand everyone's got all these weapons that are so like seemingly overpowered and yet everyone on every side seems unprepared for the devastation i like like it's not like germany was like losing a ton of ground for the majority of world war one like no one like, was they moved like two inches yeah.
1: literally for four yeah. years it's like two inches it's kind of crazy yeah yeah Yeah, Um, it's one of those things like you even kind of see the shift into World War II, the difference of combat because of trench warfare mm -hmm. because it's also just useless to a certain extent because if the whole point is to gain territory, you can't because of the way of each person's weapons, you know, basically Mm -hmm. holding everybody back and maybe the idea that charging your men directly into gunfire isn't the best way to take over an area. Maybe, but uh, maybe. But you could see this, I mean, military history you know looking at the military history of I it mean, you could see the shift from okay well this is how the civil war is fought in the u.s you know this is other this is how ev- right. this is how napoleon conquers europe right is by marching his armies mm-hmm. and overwhelming people and then yeah. you try to do that but you have a machine gun so now you have to hide so it's this like uh i don't think anybody was ready like even the tacticians i don't think they Fully thought this through and then no. trenches are built and then we're stuck for four years in mud and fighting and, and they, it, jumping into other people's trenches to kill them to then jump back. It's kind of, it's it's brutal for sure. And like yeah. the thing I, I think 1917 when it came out really showed also is, you know, that you need runners to get any sort of information out. The whole plot of that is that there's an attack they need to stop, you know, that they're like, yeah. they're, you the intel's wrong, you need to not do this and yeah. he's just running the whole movie essentially with his partner yeah. trying to get there and then once he does the one guy just doesn't even really listen and yeah. that's another thing that also happens in all quiet on the western front as well is just the it, it, how how leaders sometimes just don't listen and don't care and they're going to do what they want to do anyway mm-hmm. and sacrifice people for the sake of it so it's it's pretty yeah. it, all around just this this really scary event and i think yeah. it, i think it's why also a lot of media didn't touch it for a couple of decades because it's like how do you even i think it's partially how do you do this how do you do this mm-hmm. right but also does it if it, it, it must have felt weird because you really can't do the world war ii spin right you can't have the heroes mm-hmm. and the villains on this one because it is everybody is kind of in the same right. boat to, Well, to a like extent. to to look at it
0: cynically it's you have to deal with the moral ambiguity of world war one. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily sell, sell something, sell a story the no. way that world war two, you know, the, the Nazis had fricking skulls on their uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the, 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 the Japanese as well. Like they doubled down on the, like, no, we are, we the, are the bad villains. guys. Yeah. like, Um, and I, I can totally appreciate that there's more nuance to, to history than that, but, it, from
1: it's, yeah. from if we're looking at this <laughs> from a
0: brand from a branding perspective, yeah, it's a little <laughs> easier on this one. It's, it's okay. It's so guys... it's so easy to, yeah. to 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 make a Hollywood style movie about that, right? And right. um, a little
1: difficult. On this and one. World
0: War One, you know, not only do you have to understand the super complex geopolitics of what even led to this conflict, but again, like think about like if we think of the, the 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 encapsulation of you know these are just boys that have no uh they have no quarrel with each other it's their their governments that are right uh that are sending them to kill each other just pointlessly we think of the um the christmas day miracle uh, oh, where yeah. the, you know, the, the, the Germans and the English, they or the, the English hear the Germans singing Silent Night, and then they get up out of the trenches, and they have a ceasefire, and they just start playing soccer with each other. Yeah. Which, you know, now, Europeans, that's I'm really glad that that's how they get out there. Uh, right. That, that, that's they how they get out their anger at each other. Play soccer. <laughs> or well,
1: football. I was even
0: thinking about this the other day. This is another tangent. I'm sorry. But... When I read the book, uh, Medici money, they talked quite a bit in one chapter about how all the different Italian States were fighting each other for centuries, Yeah, but the battles weren't really that deadly. They kind of just, they liked getting dressed up, standing across from each other in a field and having a little scuffle. A couple people might die. Sometimes nobody died, but now, uh, tuscany gets this much more of milan right and it kind of made me like start to think like what if like when the patriots like won a football game it meant like that massachusetts gets to take uh, a little bit of new york <laughs> Do you imagine
1: that's kind of yeah right i mean yeah. Like, what if,
0: like, yeah. it, it's kind of, the, that was kind of, like, the That's way the those skirmishes used to be. It was like, it was like a sports game, only slightly more deadly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if the Seahawks win, that means that uh, Seattle gets to take over Portland. Right.
1: Okay. There could be something to yeah. do that, maybe you know. Yeah, maybe, but it is—it maybe maybe is really like we need—we need, we like need that. stakes to our football games. I yeah, guess. that is true. Um, We're close to it. We're close. But
0: but okay, like take that as an example, like the, the Christmas Day miracle. The the Germans and the English, you know, realize that they have more in common. The soldiers realize they have more in common, and they won't even go back to fighting each other. And they actually right. have to be sent to different parts of the front. Those soldiers have to be broken up. Um, you couldn't have that no. with uh World War II because we do not allow for that um that ambiguity. World War One is kind of this template that allows us to see the humanity of the other side in retrospect because everybody was being dehumanized. I mean, I mean, for Pete's sake, I mean, I'm not saying that anti-semitism was invented in 1939 but there were jews fighting for germany in world war one right that is a a documented fact they were germans who happened to be jewish fighting for the glory of germany Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah interesting that's that's how it was exactly it's that that The nation, the nationhood, as it takes over a bit there, but then it's everybody against everybody, and there's no clear good or bad in this case. There just is, and it's it it really highlights war is awful, you know. Yeah, without it, it it really does. And you're not even getting because there's like an imperialist attitude there too. But it would be it's if it's the it is the colonialists and the imperialists fighting each other all across the world and then dragging mm-hmm. their the the call the people from the colonies that they've taken over to also fight in the war with them. Mm-hmm. So it's just this crazy mess of violence and meaningless violence. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a good encapsulation of it too is uh I read the book The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. in, in high school. This yeah. was another exposure to World War I, but I didn't quite understand it too much. Um and I remember reading mm-hmm. it at the time. I was like kind of getting annoyed until I hit the end of the book. And because here is why I was getting annoyed: they don't do anything. They they drink, mm. they smoke, and they write a little, little bit, write a little bit, and then they drink the rest of the time. And just, that's it. They just walk around Europe, and it's just it's post World yeah, War One so, so, Europe. So, and
0: sounds so, sounds like Hemingway.
1: I mean, it sounds like Hemingway, and it's basically every study abroad ever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is you know after yeah. the, the war, and yeah at the end of the book I then realized oh I get it it's because what the heck do you do? they're just they're just alive mm. like they're lucky to be alive I'm pretty sure yeah. the main character serves in the war and Italy it's, it's like the big, it's the it's, biggest now what it is of, it's an existential that type of thing exactly, well, exactly. Like, but
0: I mean like look at like the, the way that it was interpreted and internalized into art you know from yeah. World War One, we get uh we get Dadaism, we get art that deliberately pokes fun at the idea of modernism making sense because this was the most modern warfare there could be and right. nothing made sense. You know, there's just like there's all these poems about poppies and it's because all the all the dead soldiers made the uh the soil more fertile for like these specific types of flowers. Jeez, I you know, know that. Huh. Yeah. It's like um it, you know it it profoundly changed art it changed fashion I mean Oh it absolutely changed fashion Like th- think about the the line like with World War 1 as well where that that military fashion I I think defined the way that we dress to this day I mean Yep Gotta love the coats.
1: Gotta love those. coats. Yeah, no, they
0: they, they knew how to make a coat. They the, did. And, uh, we named uh, we named our our longest coat after it. We did. Um, Trench coat <laughs> for all those wondering. Yeah, it's 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 long like the war. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh. But th- but that's you know like that's uh, the dressing like a soldier communicated something about you, you know, this wasn't like, I feel like the civil war where, you know, you're, you're dressed like a soldier, you go home and then you go into politics and wear, you know, tights and, you know, very, very slimming tuxedos, or you're a farmer, right? This is everyone comes home. And yeah, no, we're wearing these, if we're being honest, insanely cool, Uh, You know, Oxford shirts and uh, and trousers. Yeah,
1: exactly. They're pleated trousers, your boots. mm -hmm. No, I
0: I I remember a uh, guy came into the frame shop and I framed a picture of his grandfather in World War One. And as I was helping the guy, I realized we're wearing like pretty much the same boots. I mean, I was wearing my my Iron Rangers and it's even if the guy in the photo is not wearing Iron Rangers, which he very well might be, yeah, I mean, or Red Wings, so, he might be wearing Red, Red Wings. Wing. That style—it's so weird. That style of boot is a hundred years old, and that is
1: crazy. Persists.
0: It's I mean, to inc- even get into deeper like zan lore, people <laughs> zan- might not know this. This is the Zan lore, everybody. Just this is the Zan lore. Sure uh, I am a bit of a of a of a watch guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real gearhead. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah you know i really i really want to you know sometimes i i tune into uh yeah. like those hodinky interviews with john mayer to hear him talk about his watch collection mm. <laughs> <laughs> um no not really that type of watches but i, I am like interested in watches because i worked for a, vin- a vintage watch store for a while oh right and if you look at the wristwatch it uh, you know the the switch from gentlemen wearing pocket watches you know for pretty much the entirety of the history of the watch a wrist watch would have been considered a lady's watch mm. um the a uh, um, a gentleman you know wore a pocket watch you know with uh if they if you worked on the railway you know it had to be uh you know an open watch it couldn't have a hunter's case but Starting with World War One, when you're in the trench, you can't, like, be reaching into your vest pocket to get out your pocket watch. That right. was the invention of wristwatches. The reason wristwatches are even shaped the way they are is because basically people were taking pocket watches and soldering lugs onto the side of them so that they could put a strap th- onto them. Huh. Yeah, that's oh, why early wristwatches are just—they're super round, and then they just have these little prongs sticking out of them for the strap. Hmm. That's interesting. yeah, like all of like World War One just changed Every, so yeah, much changed about the way we dress. Yeah, it's honestly it's, it's pretty—it's pretty wild that it's not a war that's super present in a lot of our minds, and yet its its reverberations are everywhere. Oh in, yeah, in you know it, and it, it even feels a little shallow to be talking about the fashion a, <laughs> a little yeah but... um but i i do think it's worth mentioning that it had it had an impact on our idea of aesthetics and yep. you know cuz it it's you know think of the, all the all the things that follow after it you know the roaring 20s art deco yeah it's um it's it's extremely interesting that it's this this dark period that produces all of this stuff that we still cling to, uh, even, yeah. if, even if we don't think about it as much as World War Two or. Or even Vietnam, really,
1: and it was so long ago. That's the crazy thing, and the, yeah. and the fact that like the thing that blew my mind, you know, and and mm-hmm. kind of closing with this too, is that World War One. You know, you have trucks, you have t- well, early trucks, you have tanks, you have mo- moving machines with artillery strapped to them, airplanes, airplanes, and then people in like the like just because we're in the U.S., we're just going to use this as an example. You know, in the West are it's still like outlaws and gangs, and then you have like people you know the horses pulling like carts and carriages well into europe too. yeah like it is very much still the 19th or the uh yeah the 19th century like everywhere else and then all of a sudden on these battlefields it is just this complete jump in technology because of the jump start for it like it's crazy yeah. to me like i couldn't wrap my head around that that it was like wait a minute. This is just for that, like military is just like that, and and this is, I mean, yeah. If you if you leave the battlefield,
0: there's yeah, you know, guys with top hats and canes. Yeah, it's like Victorian around,
1: you know? era. It's crazy. Well, the thing is, I mean, this is also a current trend in general. Like the military, in terms of technology, is always advanced be before civil, like everybody else, essentially. You know, for the rest of society, because it's like, yeah, if we look at the military, even I mean, the military industrial complex now is insane, but. I'm pretty sure, like half the reason we have what we do is just from past. And they don't tech. even
0: have cool outfits anymore. That's the real crime. That's they the real war crime.
1: It's not as it, it's the, not the as cool. The military is but. no
0: longer on the cutting
1: edge of fashion. Um, camo's still pretty popular, Zan. And also, they do have Nike boots, which is kind of wild. Many times <laughs> they do. I swear, Nike does make a lot of the combat boots. It's kind of nuts. Uh,
0: yeah. I, so, uh, I I have a pair of um uh Bel- what is it Bellevue. Or, oh,
1: okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My mom's,
0: my, yeah, my mom's boyfriend uh, gave me like a pair he had that were unused. Uh, they're like just some very chunky winter
1: boots. Hey, man, uh, they work, they're designed for it, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah, no, it's, um, I guess as, as we sort of, you know, we, we look back on this, uh, and try, try to understand what what it means in a time like this to revisit this story and this war Mm -hmm, uh sure i think it's a war where i i can't be totally sure but i feel like at least in the u.s maybe the west in general um it was the one of the first times that we had some sort of understanding of the experience of the soldier
1: Mm. uh,
0: in a way that we hadn't before in the way that we weren't just hearing like what it was like for, from the point of view of the, uh, the officers and the generals. Right. um, That the, that an army that there's some sort of, great waste of individuals Mm -hmm. uh you know being you know sent to die rather than those soldiers being the extension of a state or the extension of a general um there was means to hear their story and in uh and it's it's bizarre i think that it took this really like probably one of the most profoundly awful experiences. If there was a way to rank wars, uh, you know, which, which kind of seems unthinkable and and not really something that you want to do, but it took this one to, I think, curb our perspective mm. on what, the experience of a, of a soldier was, uh, yeah. And, and I, I want to hope that that, uh, is that, that does some, some good in the world. I mean, it did, it led to the league of nations. It led to, uh, some consolations to some sort of idea of global, uh, brotherhood that might, help us understand each other better. And yeah. did, then it sets up, you know, the, yeah. the dominoes to, to fall for world war two. And then yeah. the cold war and
1: it did, Korea and it Vietnam did a lot of bad and, takes actually and the, the, the,
0: the, <laughs> you the know, dismantling you, of the, I mean, uh, the, you know, the, the, the dismantling of, uh, European imperialism, but then the, uh, uh, the atrocities then perpetuated in the middle East and Africa. It's um, yeah. 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 Yeah, It's a long list of consequences. I, I want, I want to hope we, we learn from this and, and it's maybe not that far ago in human history, but it's in, in again, going back to the scope that an individual can have, it does feel, it does feel
1: old, but, Still close somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I actually, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, it is, it, because it's over 100 years now, but it doesn't feel like that far away. You mm-hmm. know, I think, I mean, this, the Civil War is what, slightly older by a couple decades, but that feels like, yeah, I mean, that, much that's that happening old. in like
0: the 1860s. So. Yeah, so that's
1: like 40, that's not yeah, like 50 years. How, but it's still, I but mean, how much of more of a gap does that? That feels like such big, much, Bigger of a gap, I don't know. Like, well, the, because but, of but the if technology. you think think, think about how,
0: what a different world um, World War One is. But the fact that there still were people alive, there would have been civil war veterans alive. Exactly.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, You know, like just thinking about it. I I mean, time is wild and we're always going to be existential about that at the Uncanny County Museum. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's an important war um, to learn from for sure. Another piece of media we didn't talk about necessarily, we don't have to, but was uh, Lawrence of Arabia being like super popular When that came out, because you know, with fighting of the Ottomans, but even the way that ended, too, where Britain then starts carving up Arabia and moving Mm -hmm. into the Middle East, and it's just the Mm -hmm. same realization of, oh, we just use these people to get something out of it. Because I think, yeah, I think there is a big message to be learned from the war where it was, yes, these, this war is awful, and this, we cannot ever do this again, like to this level, Mm -hmm. we can never do this again. but then the treaties coming out of it are just so bad that they set the the unknown consequence. Which you also then, and that's kind of part of the, what the movie was doing too. The mm-hmm. All Quiet on the Western Front. You're like, you kind of get, you kind of feel for the French setting terms because you're like, yeah, you know, yeah. they they destroyed the countryside. I mean, yeah. it's completely gone and it's leveled right. to nothing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, because it was like, well, how, how can you blame somebody for being angry at this other nation for what they did? And then on yeah. the other hand, you're like, ah, but we know what happens, you know, we know yeah. how people treat this and who they're going to listen yeah. to. So it's, it's, it's the story of consequences, right? It's right. consequences. Well, of well think, think of that,
0: that, that scene, I'm sure it must've been in the new film. Cause it's, it's an iconic part of the book and the old movie, but um, where Paul is in that, um, that pit and yeah. uh, the French soldier jumps in and he stabs him and has to just watch him die. Yeah. You know, he like wishes he would die. He, you know, then, but then he starts to apologize and then he's like, you know, we could have been friends. It's like looking through the guy's stuff, you know, you right. Know, looking at his family that he's left behind. It's, um, no, it's, uh, I think it's powerful. Yeah. It, It it is like it. It it is like this recognition of the world going mad around you, and then you have to go back, and people with, you know, mustaches and monocles are like, "Well, we gotta, we gotta piece this back together. We need some new treaties, right? Exactly. You know, we gotta, you know, break up this empire, glue this empire back together, and." You know, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the, with the nationalists and the communists later, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 they, they are all, whichever version you choose to partake in, they're all worth seeing and, and worth uh, investigating.
1: For sure. I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely glad I watched it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a lot, but yeah. it goes really quick and this and the new soundtrack is pretty cool too, I have to say. Mm. So, and it's just shot very pretty and then brutally. So, it's right. it's on a on a level of, you know, 1 to come and see, I think it's about an 8 come and see being a 10 in this okay. case. So, I mean, it's right. not it's 7 8. 7 8 maybe. Could be okay, worse, okay. but it's not yeah. it's not it's not like you know it, it is what it is it's real um and gotcha. i think and i and i do think that matters to mm-hmm. a certain extent but uh anyways yeah i mean i think you know in terms of the conversation here about this time period and or you know armistice only being a few days before i i, I do think it's an important i i hope i hope that we continue being able to like learn about this more and it's talked about mm-hmm. in schools and it's talked about in media and it's brought up more cause it's an, it's an important story for sure. Right? It's an yeah. important time in our history to realize how bad war can be. And yeah, if we even need it at all.
0: Yeah. I guess that, that might be a good note to, to end it on. Well, I think, yeah. I think it's time for us to surrender. Hmm. I think so. Um, it's time for us to surrender to stick it or ticket.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> excellent transition. Um cool. I, I actually do have one now. I I, I was ah. worried I wasn't gonna I haven't been seeing any, but I did uh luckily find a nice bumper sticker that I had to really um squint at to see what it read but when i did as i was driving uh-huh. home from work i saw one that said i break for squirrels and it had a squirrel on it and i just thought that was nice like what a statement you know that you have to establish it did have me think a lot about that though because is said, are you breaking for squirrels as they're riding by or are you breaking for squirrels like to say hi so i, I had a mm. lot of questions but yeah
0: mm-hmm just nuts for squirrels, I mean <laughs> you know i I try really hard not to hit small animals, but as it gets colder uh, and the ice, and the roads start to ice over uh wh- that that policy is going to have to adjust unfortunately oh man, yeah, um I saw one a uh, bit of a different energy uh, <laughs> oh, no. i think I think it just hmm. it's funny to me in a way that it's not funny to the guy. Uh, driving oh, no. but it was this big black pickup truck and it had a sticker on the back that said i identify
1: as prius oh my god of course okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um his pronouns huh. are he he <laughs> Himus. I am Optimus. Oh God, Optimus Prime. Oh, I, Optimus oh I didn't Optimus know Prime was, uh, was 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 uh, Optimus's pronoun. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I no,
0: oh,
1: it's
0: it's you know, it, it's a, literally a transformer.
1: <laughs> it hmm, trans representation. Yeah. Oh God. Um. Okay, that is yeah. What a, what a weird what a weird flex guy comes to pick you up on a date and you see that on their truck what do you do go that's the hype right you know jeez. uh yeah uh, well
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> now, i'm so i'm so glad we make time for this it's an important routine i
1: have a, I, I mean i don't know if everybody else is getting a kick out of it but i uh, it is quite the challenge you can play yeah. it along at home as well if you want you can oh, email yes. please, your, please. your submissions yeah to us email actually.
0: uncanny county museum at gmail.com exactly
1: yeah let us know you can even send us pictures on instagram if you want to at uncanny oh, county yes. museum
0: we would love to see more additions to stick it or ticket we will uh blur yeah we'll blur the uh license plates unless someone really needs to uh you know be tracked down right right that's for it. their questionable sticker use yeah uh, yeah Um, well, uh, I guess we should then move on to, uh, what, uh, what we might recommend as things to check out things we might be reading or watching right Mm -hmm. now.
1: Uh,
0: what have you been checking
1: out? Uh, so I just finished another book. Uh, it was Colorless Tsukuru Tazaki by uh, Haruki Murakami, which was pretty good. Mm. i you know, it wasn't. I still think Wild Sheep Chases is best that I've read. Uh, it was my first though, but it was it was nice. It's a good edition, for sure. It was an interesting read, and it was pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, if you have unresolved feelings of old friendships past, it's probably worth the read for sure. Um, And then so I I recommend that. And then I'm reading I'm I'm not too far into it, but I just started reading The Glass Hotel by uh, Emily St. John Mendel, who has also written and I have read The Sea of Tranquility and the more famous Station Eleven, which her books are fantastic. And I highly recommend anybody read them because she's just a master at her craft and very, very good at world building and character writing. uh uh, i guess besides that i've also been playing the new god of war ragnarok so that's become my whole personality Mm. again and it's very good speaking of anti-war messages it's very very relevant in terms of that so it's it's fantastic it's a fantastic game Nice, um, so nice. not too much in terms of intellectualism and, and art-based things yet. Yeah. But what,
0: what is the premise of the... Oh, it's a video game, right? God of yeah,
1: war. I mean, I never played the old ones, but essentially it's about uh, Kratos, who is a mm. Spartan demigod. And then, long story short, kills Ares, the god of war, and a bunch of the other gods of war. And then in this new series, because I've only played the, the new one, he's raising his son, Atreus from his wife who just died and that's like the first Mm. game and they are the whole quest is they have to go spread her ashes on the tallest peak in the nine realms and then they're like getting involved with odin and you know thor and all these other people in in this game specifically and they're just trying to like do this one task and then now it's trying to avoid war while he's also trying to raise his son so there's a lot of like dad Mm. issues in it so it's it's just really good and even it's weird because it's a fighting game and it's brutal and you're like killing all these things but in the old games they never like thought about it and in the new game it's always reflecting back on like who they're Mm -hmm. killing and why and was it worth it and you know how does this affect us and it's just very interesting in terms of that existentialism so yeah it's it's a movie essentially but yeah no Mm -hmm. i i eat it up it's great Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh but how oh, about nice. you Zen? um on my end i've been i've been
0: reading a, a couple of interesting things um i got a got my hands on a book that is uh a collection of interviews uh from omni magazine oh wow uh, it's, i think it's called the omni interviews um but it's got a really great uh you know mid-century sci-fi type uh <laughs> Nice. Uh, cover, which is, which I love. Uh, and there's a lot of really, uh, interesting, uh, kind of giants of science, uh, mm. and science fiction that are interviewed. Uh, the Richard Leakey interview in, it is a uh, pretty interesting in particular talking about, uh, anthropology, um. Yeah, and uh it, it's uh it's a good uh it's a good read and hopefully might actually turn into some future tours here at the Uncanny Ooh, County Museum. Excellent. Yeah, uh I've been uh I recently discovered Sam Fender. I've been listening to uh his album Seventeen Going Under. Uh mm. I think it I think it sort of scratches the itch for me of something that's contemporary but still sounds like bruce springsteen uh especially the especially the title track uh you know gets me going gets me pumped up even though i think it's a song about uh uh learning to deal with uh your anger okay you know which i think we could all use fair enough uh and um my my girlfriend and I have been watching this show on. Uh, there's this streaming service that uh, was recommended to Allison, and she got it called BritBox. Okay. And uh, we've been watching this uh, this uh, crime drama. You know, it, right. it's kind of a police procedural, oh, but right. it's also British. So there's only like th- three episodes in some right. seasons. Right. What's the <laughs> show? It's called, it's called Shetland. Oh, I feel like Uh, I know that. I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah, so it stars Douglas Henshaw, who I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited to see him because he was one of the main characters uh, on Primeval, the the BBC show about dinosaurs. Oh, my God. Uh, And uh, um, he's just a joy to see. He's, um, you know, he's... uh, he's it's just it's very fun to watch because it's it's kind of slow and easy going for a lot of it there's a lot of it's always gray you know they're always right. in flat it's, lighting because they're shooting in shetland right and it's always overcast <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right right everyone is just like looks like they're so desperate to see any sunlight yeah uh it has, but there are some really interesting characters and character dynamics uh okay, in it cool. uh, that like um uh Douglas Henshaw uh has uh, a daughter from his dead wife, but she's actually the daughter of this other guy and her wife's ex-husband. Whoa, who, who is that drama. guy? So well, no, but it's like kind of funny because they both just kind of settle into being her dads. Oh, okay. So they're they're just her two dads, but all they have in common was the dead wife. Right. But they just sort of like I don't know, it's just sort of an interesting, interesting. thing that I've yeah. never seen in a show before. Okay. Uh, you cool. know, the this ex-husband is- and the and the father, you right. know, just ra- uh, you know, having this uh daughter together. Um uh, there's been no Shetland ponies in it
1: that Not I've seen yet. as yet. of yet. Okay. There's been a
0: dearth of ponies. A lot of murder for an island that doesn't seem like it has that many people on it. I don't <laughs> right. know how many people live in Shetland, but they're like, oh, gosh, we, we have no idea which house it could be from this <laughs> photo. We'd have to search every house in Shetland, it and it's like... like, what are there? Like
1: twenty? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's just gonna take an afternoon, you know? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. No, there's
0: like I, I've been learning lots of new words, like
1: "croft."
0: Oh, we have to. Li- she lives on the croft
1: over there. The croft,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, would recommend right. uh, Shetland if you're if you're in the mood for something a little different than like a uh, an American. Uh, uh procedural, okay, but yes, uh that is what has been uh keeping keeping me uh entertained very nice uh yes, uh I think moving on to our next uh bit of business, Joe, what is going on with
1: you uh not too much at the moment i am uh i guess that's gonna be happening soon in Poland, but I am in the fifteen in and out festival uh Mm -hmm. film festival there so with experimental moving images so i did get shortlisted for it and i'm pretty sure my film's going to be showing there uh so i'm excited about that in terms of just like art news and then um i still have music streaming online you know my album biomes is still available to listen to and i'm working Mm -hmm. on some new music at the moment that i hope to put out soon so Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that as well as some hopefully new work i'll eventually start posting about uh but that's pretty much it for me on my end how about you zan what do you got going on Uh, yeah um i've actually got a couple of things to uh plug uh so
0: i've mentioned before but next summer i'll be teaching uh at the uh john c campbell folk school in Brastown, north carolina um so if you are in that area and would like to take a an oil painting class and learn some of my personal uh trade secrets. Uh I'll be teaching there next year, so be on the lookout for that once those uh classes go up for sale. I know there's limited space, so you definitely want to get one of those. Um uh but as far as uh brand new information goes, I uh actually am going to be starting uh, a relationship with a gallery in Hudson, New York. They're going to be uh, carrying uh, some of my work. I'll be able to announce some more uh, specific things later, but uh, I will be having some work up in December
1: and
0: nice. uh, next year in uh, either March or April I will actually be having my first solo show. Hey. Uh, which is extremely exciting um and i'm very excited i'll be uh as i get more dates and everything i will be uh posting that and excellent, uh, plugging excellent. it here uh with the gallery and uh official gallery information and uh, dates nice uh, but That's awesome. that that is very exciting also still trying to work on music in the meantime as well mm-hmm. uh, i know i keep saying it but i actually do feel like i'm making some progress so nice um Yeah, uh, and as always, uh, I've got work up for sale uh, on my website. I do think um, if there are any of those pieces that you have been eyeballing for a while, uh, a lot of, uh, not a lot of them, but mainly the oil paintings that I have listed on my website are probably going to have to come down, uh, unfortunately, uh, because of this uh, gallery opportunity. So if you are interested in any of them, any of the ones that are up now and you want your shot at owning one, uh, maybe a holiday gift. uh, Now's the time to jump on those before they get taken down and put up in the gallery.
1: Mm, Definitely. Uh,
0: Definitely. Definitely. Definitely get in on that. Um, Yes. So we want to thank everyone for coming by uh, the Uncanny County Museum. Uh, It's been kind of a relief to both of us to be doing this every (laughs) other week, but it's still so, so fun. Um, as always, we invite you to check out our Patreon. There's a lot of great rewards at some different levels. Uh, and, uh, we really appreciate the support. Uh, if you are looking for a free way to support the museum, you can give us a rating and review on wherever Mm, you listen to podcasts. It really, really helps us, uh, reach more people. If we've got some more ratings, um and uh you can also shoot us some mail at uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. I think we should for now uh maybe be taking a break from uh plugging our Twitter account. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean <laughs> not that we really do anything on there. Yeah, but I it's would not say- really
0: it's not the best medium for us for what we yeah. do
1: anyways. Uh Instagram's but, pretty primary right now and Elon yeah. Musk sucks, so
0: Yeah. Not yeah, not not that Zuckerberg's that much better, but no, uh, I guess that's fair. Instagram, guess that's fair. at least, I feel like is is less of a shit show. True, um, <laughs> but if you would like to find us on on uh, uh, on Instagram, we are at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram, uh, and we all we'd love hearing from you. Uh, however, you choose to reach out to us. Yes, yes. Um, if you'd like to find me after hours, I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram, and I'm at Josmino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I've been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Cimino. Bye! Bye.